Amen. We celebrate Pastor Gabby and Pastor Jeff. So we have a, uh, I guess I don't know why I'm holding this, I have a mic on, uh, a special Sunday, uh, a Reader's Sunday, um, that some of you have experienced before, but I just wanted to share a little bit with you about um, this experience. It's, we've been working through the book of Galatians, and um, Chapter by chapter, we've been hearing the word of God, and it's been filling our hearts and our souls. I want to encourage you with a couple of things. First, Psalm 119 is a psalm, very long psalm, but it really is about the beauty of God's word in our lives. And listen, I'm just going to read a little section of Psalm 119. It says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. You can hear in the psalmist this this passion for the Lord and this belief that his word is revelation, that he's speaking freshly and it fills and shapes his life. Remember, who is the ultimate author of scripture? The Holy Spirit. And the words of scripture are living and active because the spirit of God wants to fill the word afresh and engage our hearts And our souls. So I'd encourage you as you hear, as you listen, you can open up Bibles and follow along if you want. Some would like to simply just listen to the word read. read. I give you permission to close your eyes, but don't fall asleep, right? But if that helps you hear the word deeply, then I want you to situate yourself in hearing the word. Just a few things to listen for as we uh, read together the entirety of the book. Just remember it is a little bit of a a theological book where where Paul, remember he's upset. There's some strong words that we're going to hear in Galatians and that's because of his love of the gospel. The true gospel. That there were some that were trying to add Uh, requirements in order to be saved. There were some that were Judaizers that were trying to add like circumcision and food laws and he's saying, no, no, it is about grace. Salvation by grace. Listen for the, the arguments that he's making but also listen with your heart and hear his love for the gospel. Hear the the purity 
of the grace of God that we can't earn salvation. We just receive it and then live in response to his love and grace. You're going to sense also and hear he's building to this place of what life looks like. And he's saying freedom in Christ. All the man-made rules, all the legalistic ways, he said, we get to set that aside and ask, what does it mean to truly live free in Jesus Christ? Would you listen deeply for that? And then finally, the Spirit of God. He's building towards no... We, we, we don't, the, the law is not the center anymore. It's the author of the law, which is the Holy Spirit, which is our center. That we get to keep in step with him, with the Holy Spirit. Let him fill and transform our lives. Let him bear fruit of love and goodness and kindness. So listen for those ideas of salvation by grace, by freedom in Christ, and life in the Spirit. Here's something else you might want to listen for. If you got a bulletin, we're going to not only hear the word, but then we're going to pray in response to the word. And so uh, probably many of you are familiar with this acronym of ACTS, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. We're going to have some of our students from the uh, um, 72 School of Ministry are going to be our readers this morning. And then some of our stream leaders are going to lead us in Acts. But you might hear something in Galatians and say, boy, praise you, God, for your grace. And you might, if you want, if it, if it would disrupt the reading, don't feel like you need to. This is just a possibility, you could write something in there like a, a praise you for your grace, right? There might be something that you hear that prompts confession and you might want to write that down. Again, if, it, if, if you want to just receive it and hear it, you don't have to write anything down on this. But if it would help you hear the word deeply, then utilize this if you want, Okay? And then finally, this is extra bonus points, no extra charge for this, all right? Um, so uh, many folks struggle with this idea of what it means that we're a reformed church. And um, one, often what I say to folks is that there's this idea of the five solas, and that um, they were in the language of Martin Luther and, and John Calvin, and they had some of these uh, ideas. Solas is a Latin turn, uh, term for meeting alone. And so there's five solas that were really, you can understand them uh, and understand the Reformation in this kind of framework of solas. I think we have them on the screen. And actually, there's three out of the five that are pretty strong here in the book of Galatians. There is Christ alone, solus Christus, 
where it's saying that there's no other name, no other power, no other person by which we might be saved, Christ alone, sola gratia, grace alone. We can't accomplish it. We can't earn salvation. It's only by God's grace. It's perhaps all the way through. Galatians, sola fide, faith alone. That's our response. That's the invitation of Christ, that we would trust God. And by the way, that faith is given by God for us to take and respond, that invitation. And then probably outside of the book of Galatians, but uh, true throughout scripture is sola scriptura, scripture alone. I mean, it doesn't mean that there's no other places of authority and wisdom in our lives, but that scripture alone, not the church, not our friends, not me as your pastor, right? not even angels from on high. Scripture alone is our final rule of life and faith. And soli dea gloria, glory to God alone. We don't live for our own fame and reputation, for any other fame or reputation, but God and God alone for his glory, for his is the kingdom power and glory. You might, if you're a little nerdy like me, like to hear some of those solas in the book of Galatians. And I'd also say this, too. We've, labels are, are, are dangerous things, and there's all sorts of baggage that can go with labels, but we now, in our Kingdom Partners class, we just talk about that we are Reformed Charismatics. And what we mean by that, which is actually there's elements throughout Galatians uh, that really focuses on the Spirit. And that one, the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Christ has become central to us as Christians. He communicates that the, the voice of the Spirit, Jesus ascended to heaven, sent his Spirit, and so we seek to live by the voice of the Spirit by the fruit of the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit, that he wants to form us in Christ. Listen for that in Galatians, that Paul's in pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in us. How does he form us? By the Spirit of God. What's not as predominant in Galatians as also the other part of charismatic is, is the gifts of the Spirit. That's more 1 Corinthians, that we hear that, but other places of Scripture, that we believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today and that the Spirit empowers us through baptism and filling. So Reformed, charismatic. There's elements of that Reformed and charismatic in the book of Galatians. Again, my desire is for you to listen deeply what does the Spirit have for you? What fresh revelation, how does the Spirit want to speak to you through the reading of his book? I'd like to invite the three readers forward. They've been practicing, I believe, right? And again... It, we'll leave it up to you if you want to um, 
You want me to move the table? And if you want to um, follow along in your own uh, Bibles, want to use that? Who's starting? That would be me. All right. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, an apostle, sent from men nor by man, but Jesus Christ and the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to convert, pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said so, now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preach is not something that man made up. I did not perceive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it from revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how I intensely persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing Judaism before many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I may preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Later I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Then after an interval of 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. It was because of a revelation that I went up and I submitted to them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. But I did so in private to those who were of reputation for fear that I might be running or had run in vain. But not even Titus, who was with me, though he was Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. But it was because of the false brethren secretly brought in who had sneaked in to spy out our, our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, in order to bring us into bondage. 
but we did not yield in subjugation, in, subject, in subjection to them, or even an hour, so that the truth of the gospel would remain with you. But from those who were of high reputation, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. While those who were of reputation contributed nothing to me, but on the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For he who effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised effectually worked for me also to the Gentiles. And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas and John, who were reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They only asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I also was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in the presence of all, if you, being a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? We are Jews by nature and not sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. But if while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I may live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before your very eyes, Jesus Christ, who clearly portrayed as crucified? I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. 
Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteousness will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God, in his grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But scripture has locked up everything under control of sin, so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. <clears throat> What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons, because you are sons." God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. 
Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slave to those who by nature are not gods. But not that you know God, or rather you are known by God. How is that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You have done me no wrong, as you know. It was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What has happened to all of your joy? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but not for good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be zealous for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always and not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone, because I am perplexed about you. Tell me who you want to be under the law. Are you not aware of the law, what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a promise. These things may be taken figuratively, for the woman represent two covenants. One covenant is on Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, O barren woman who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud. You have no labor pains, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born in the ordinary persecuted, ordinary way persecuted the son by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what does the Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman." It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You You who are seeking to be justified by law You have fallen from grace, for we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persecution did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. 
I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view. But the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one, in one word, and in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is, there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. 
May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Adoration. Uh, I want to thank uh, Jed and the worship team because uh, some of the songs you led us in this morning are perfect introduction to adoration. Open my eyes to your wonder. I stand in awe. Uh, three weeks ago, I sat over in that section of the sanctuary. And I don't remember Pastor Eric's words exactly, but I think they were to sit in prayer and meditation, and think upon those things that separate you from God. And uh, God placed a, an image in my mind, not a uh, very poetic or spectacular image, but one that spoke to me. It's easy sometimes for us to receive understanding and knowledge of the Spirit. And we, uh, we seem satisfied that we've got it. Lord, I get you. And yet, as I sat there, he placed an image in my mind that said, Kurt, your knowledge and your understanding of me and my works is like a Dixie cup as to the Pacific Ocean. His enormity, his infiniteness, his majesty is beyond uh, anything we can uh, comprehend. I have an image for you I wanted to. This is a, a recent image of um, a formation uh, 6,500 light years away from us uh, that's been dubbed the Pillars uh, of Creation. Can you see it? Can you see the hand? Can you see the formation that appears almost like the hand of God. Can you comprehend that this being, our God, who creates this even now, created you, created me, and each hair on our heads? Can your mind comprehend that? If not, I'll say that's good. I, mine can't either. He is in many ways beyond our comprehension. Isn't he a gift? We invite each of you to take a moment to out loud. You can stand, you can sit, let your voice be heard. A moment of adoration for who God is. Not what he's given you, 
It's not about what you got. It's not about what you need. It's not about gift me. It's who is he for you. So in adoration, let your voices be raised here amongst you. It's hard to adore God seated. If you can stand, I invite you Please to stand. stand. <clears throat> this is not a Susie Kurt. This is a church. Your words of adoration are Beautiful. We stand in awe. Can we transition to a time of confession? If you would bow your head. Holy Spirit, we invite you to just lead us in a time. Would you bring to mind what you would have us confess before you? Paul wrote, formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? What are the weak and miserable principles, patterns of thinking, attitudes, judgment, sin. What is that, that stock in your soul? Would you come before the Lord, ask him to reveal those things in your heart? And would you lay them down at the foot of the cross? What does he need to uproot from your life? Is it bitterness? Is it lust? Is it gossip? 
What does the Spirit want to uproot from your soul? Lord, we know that you hear our confession and you are faithful to forgive, that you remove our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. We thank you and give you thanks. Amen. I want to invite you now, rather than just simply sit down, we're going to try and form you into groups of three or four. Okay, I want to invite uh, Veda forward. And just so, uh, find just groups of three and four and try and sit with one another. We're going to do Thanksgiving. And then, Scott, why don't you come on over uh, up as well? And then we'll do supplication after Thanksgiving. So just find a friend. It can be just a pair of you. Just, uh, it can be three of you, it can be four of you. Just kind of gather up in preparation, and Veda's going to lead us in this time of Thanksgiving. Okay, so we're in our groups. Awesome. So over and over in scripture, the Lord is, is so invitational. He invites us into the more, and he invites us into a better way of life. Even in Matthew, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Father, I am just so thankful that you are such an inviter into the more. You give us the freedom through Jesus Christ. You give us grace and mercy that we get to choose the best thing that you've offered us. There is no condemnation but freedom, as you tell us in Galatians. Jesus, I'm so thankful that no matter what our circumstances, we can choose to walk with you and take your yoke upon us because your burden is easy. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Would this be a time of thinking of thanksgiving of all the things he's blessed you with and invited you into? Just take a few minutes and pray amongst yourselves out loud. 